You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, episode 20. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to the Maritime Gardening Podcast once again. Um, hopefully you've been enjoying the show in our first season. We're, we're approaching the last few episodes, and, uh, but we're, you know, we're really, really happy with the way the show's been going. We hope you enjoy it. And um, just like every week, Greg, are you out there? Yes. Yes, of course you are. Um, all right, so we are, we're, we're trucking along through, uh, you know, summer's almost over. And um, so what are we, we going to focus on in this being episode 20? 20. Um, today we're going to focus on, we're not quite there yet this season, but I, you know, we're only going to do a few more episodes for this season. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought I'd, um, uh, this it fit here. And, and this is something you can start doing right now. I'm, um, mapping out next year's garden. Um, I think it's a useful practice to have. The larger your garden is, the more necessary this becomes. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, giving some thought to next year's garden and, uh, and also just reflecting on doing all that while, while your memory of everything that happened this season is still relatively fresh. Mm, sounds like a good notes. idea. Yeah. A little and tough sort of, for a procrastinator like me, but hey. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a good yeah, idea. I, I feel you, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think everyone's got a bit of that. Sure. Um, and to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, actually, it, it sort of helps procrastination because, um, you know, in trying to figure out where everything should go next spring, uh, it's, an almost, it's an overwhelming task. So if you've given it a bit of thought, like at the end of the season, it makes that easier. It's not quite as it's not quite as overwhelming a task, mm. so you're a little less likely to uh, to procrastinate. Nice. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So let's. Uh, I'll just let you get going. Get going. Well, actually, the first thing I want to do is make a correction. Okay. Because uh, we had a listener last week, and uh, she asked me about um, tomato end rot or blossom end rot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, sh- I literally shot off an answer off the top of my head based on my personal experience. And what I didn't do, and what I should do, and what everyone should do, was I should have, you know, before I answered, I should have weighed my experience against a number of online resources that I like to refer to sure. on the, that topic. Yeah. Right? Because oftentimes you can have an, you know, a set of experiences that are. They seem right <laughs> because they're based on what you've observed. Yeah, but you don't know everything. Right, right. <laughs> right? So, and I'm I'm gonna try to stick with that uh, on this show because you know it's it's not much use to people if I'm not giving good advice and you know I'm I'm not the be all and end all on this sort of thing. So you know from here on in I'm gonna really really try not to do that again. And I generally do that. I generally before I respond to a question. I, I jot down my thoughts and then I, I look up a number of resources just to make sure that sure. they're missing. Yeah. I didn't do that. I was so confident because I've dealt with this so many times. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I think the next day I said, oh, I should really look that up. <laughs> and of course, uh, the advice uh, uh, that I read was 
not it didn't contradict what I said, but it did sh reveal that the way I'd explained the source of the problem was was an error. Okay. Hey, um, nobody's perfect. So NROT, um, it's it's not related to blight at all. Okay. <laughs> it's not real. I mean, maybe it, it occurs under similar conditions, but it's not the cause of NROT is not blight. Okay. Mm. Um, blight is just a you know something that exists in the soil and it can get into your leaves and get into your plant and you can manage it. Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily lead to end rot. Um, end rot is um, it can be caused by a number of things. Um, generally speaking, it's the result of the plant not getting the nutrients it needs uh, for various reasons. You could have planted the uh, tomato a bit too early. Um, you could, uh, it could be a particular, you could, you could have a variety that just does not like your yard. Mm -hmm. uh, even in my, my property, I've got some tomatoes that haven't and some that don't. I've got tomatoes that, same variety in some locations that don't have it, others they do. Um, so it could be the variety. It, but generally speaking, it's about the plant's ability to take up calcium. It's a calcium deficiency. Mm -hmm. And there's a number of reasons there can be a calcium deficiency. Your soil could be, you could be watering it too much, which would mean you sort of wash the calcium right out of your soil. You could be not watering it enough, so the plants just aren't getting anything because they're, you know, they're just, the soil's so dry. Yeah. Um, your soil could be uh, too acidic. So, Oftentimes, when a soil is too acidic, the the um, it's not necessarily the acid that hurts the plant. It's when soil's too acidic, the plant literally can't get the nutrients. It, it needs a certain acidity in order to get the nutrients it needs out of the soil. The nutrients are there, mm -hmm. but under those conditions, the plant can't get the nutrients. Right, it's just just not favorable to that plant. Mm -hmm. um, so you could have an acidity problem, and if that's the case, um, you know you need to. Um, uh, put some lime on your soil. Mm -hmm. And on the good side, lime also tends to come in the form of calcium carbonate. So lime often is calcium. Right. Um, so that'll again, you know, add some calcium to the soil, but it also just neutralize the acid in the soil. Um, but sometimes even then it'll go away. And I've noticed that, and, and the re whole reason I started rethinking this is I took a whole bunch of tomatoes out of the garden and I've got the end rot problem where I have blight and I stuck them in my window and they haven't. They just turned perfectly red. And I've been having delicious tomato sandwiches from them. Uh, you know, so yeah. obviously, and even some of the same plants that have N-rot don't have N-rot on all the tomatoes. Hmm. So what I said was an error. Okay. So a number of the resources I was looking at, I never really sat down and thought about it, you know. I've, I've had N-rot and I've not had it. And I've had blight. When blight's really bad, bad it, you, you can lose your whole thing. But usually you just have a bit of blight and you, you get rid of the branches and it's fine. Mm -hmm. But uh, what uh, one of the sites says, and I, this seems to be the observation in my garden when I sit back and think about it, some of the earlier tomatoes can have the problem. The first tomatoes. Mm -hmm. But the later tomatoes don't because by the time those later tomatoes have arrived, the root system's more complex, the root system's bigger, and the plant's able to get what it needs because it's literally got more roots in the ground. Okay. So your earlier tomatoes are sort of like when the roots, you know, it's just not as elaborate a root system. So it, the plant hasn't got the calcium it needs 
and it's prone to Enron. Mm-hmm. So we just take them off and throw them away. Okay. Right? Or, you know, if it's red, cut the nasty part away and eat the good part. It's kind of yeah. hard to get your mind, wrap your mind around it because the, the end rod part looks so gross. <laughs> uh, it just looks wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just want to, you don't want to like stomp on it or, yeah. you know, it doesn't look good. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to eat it. You'd eat it if you were starving. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, anyway, so, yeah. That's, so uh, that's a correction. Yeah, it's a correction. And then sure. I'll, and I'll I'll do that every time I'm aware of it, and if someone makes me aware of something, I'll do that as well. Um, don't hesitate to, uh, and here I'm going to get the flood of emails, but <laughs> don't hesitate to uh, call me on anything, because I don't want to be putting anything out there that's not helpful to people, yeah. and my ego doesn't function that way. No. Uh, it's all about learning. That's right. No, very good. Awesome. All right. So, uh, right, the overwhelming task of deciding where everything should go. So... I started doing this, and I didn't used to always do this, um, but I find that in May, June, when you're putting your garden in, it's the larger my garden gets, the more overwhelming I find it is to decide what I'm going to plant and where everything should go. Mm-hmm. It's like a logic. It can be once your garden's large enough, it can yeah. be a bit of a logistical nightmare. Sure, you want to have a degree of crop rotation. You don't want to have you can't. You should not. You shouldn't put the same thing in the same place. Right. Especially if there's pests in your garden, because mm. you're literally planting something in the soil where that pest's eggs are. Mm-hmm. So you want their their young to hatch the next season and have nothing to eat. Right. Right. And starve to death. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. You want them to be abandoned. Yes. Um, so you, you know you got to have crop rotation, and you also got to everything needs a place, and and you want to do it mindfully to optimize the yields in your garden and to minimize problems. And so you have to sort of be uh, systematic and, and, and thoughtful about it. And that's very hard to do six, seven, eight months after you haven't even thought about your garden for a while. Mm-hmm. After the winter's gone, but in the fall and the winter, and you haven't thought about it and now you're getting back into it. It's better to, to give all of that some thought now. September. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this is the time to start. Jot down your thoughts and, you know, come up with a bit of a plan. Maybe put it on your desktop or something. I, I, I do this on an Excel file because I'm good with Excel. Um, you can use anything. You can use a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be. You can just draw mm-hmm. a picture. I, I take a picture of my garden and then I put that JPEG, I paste it into an Excel file. And then I sort of write where everything is right now, and uh, you know, I'll talk about that more in a minute. Uh, there's a number of ways to do that, but the beauty of doing it now, September or October, is you can just mull it over. You know, uh, in in March when you're starting to think about gardening again, you can open that file up and take a look at that that diagram you made and, and start rethinking it. So I'm looking right now at the one I made last year, and uh, I, I didn't put everything where I thought I should. Okay. <laughs> so it's some things. I would say 60% of what I told myself I should do last September, I did that this year. Mm-hmm. But a number of things I, did, I didn't follow the advice. I moved some things around. That's fine. You know, yeah. 
Um, I, I changed a few things in my garden anyway. I, I changed this. I reorganized the space a little bit, so you know the plans didn't make sense given that I made some changes. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, let's let's start here. So, okay, a bare minimum. Bare minimum is you you draw a diagram of your existing garden the way it is right now, and or take a picture, and you know put that picture on your computer or print it out or whatever. And then write write down, find some way to indicate where everything is now. Where are the potatoes? Where are the beans? Where are the carrots? Where is this? Where is that? Write down where everything is right now. Right? Then you've now you've got a record of where everything was, because you're gonna forget some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're like me and you're starting to lose your mind. Um, so you write it all down and then also write down any issues or problems that you noticed this year? Did you have blight with your tomatoes? Was there a really big problem with slugs or uh, some sort of pest like cabbage maggots or you know that sort of thing? Where were the problems? Did uh, something not grow well in a particular place? Mm-hmm. Do you think one of your garden beds or certain areas need more mulch or more compost or more manure? Right whatever, what, which beds were highly productive, which beds weren't very productive, the plants were, you know, mm-hmm. did you have beds where the plants were kind of weak and pathetic looking? Um, like the example I gave of those two different beds where I planted zucchini, right? Yeah. One of them had these big, beautiful zucchini, and they're still, just this heat wave we've had, everything's growing like crazy right now. I, I made just strawberry jam today, I think I even put a picture up on Facebook of it. Yeah. And I've got huge zucchini coming out. Anyway, I got one garden with huge zucchini, so that's all is good. I got another garden with these sort of half-sized stunted zucchini, same variety. Right. So I know that that bed needs an inch of, you know, uh, manure added to the top. Mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, it just needs a, a boost. Yeah. I I generally put an, an about an inch of manure over everything. <laughs> yeah. I like to, but but some years I don't, or sometimes I get lazy, or you know, um, you know, I have a plan of, of what I want to do. And I do what I'm able to get around to, and, and that's why it's good to have a plan. And if I don't get around to it, I, I you know, uh, I don't be, I don't beat myself up. Like so, so, let's say next year that bed with allows the zucchini. I don't actually let. I, I plan to put my manure on the garden this fall, but let's say I just get busy and things happen and I don't get around to it, and maybe I'm too busy next spring. So I know that bed's weak. It's got lousy soil, so I, I would plant a legume there. Right, I'd plant uh, beans or something like that because that's going to put that doesn't need a lot of nitrogen. It's the plant something that grows in poor soil doesn't mm-hmm. really care so much because I've got that record. I've written it down. Things didn't grow well there, so I need to put something that doesn't require great soil or it might even improve the soil. Right, like a legume. Um, so, or if you noticed one of your soils was particularly hard, you know, you might want to till that up, uh, you know, if it, if it had gotten compacted. I don't, I don't tend to till, mm-hmm. but uh, sometimes you notice something that seems a little off and you want to mix some uh, compost in with it to, to lighten it up. I never use, that's, I don't think I've ever talked about it on this show, I never use um, peat moss. I don't know why on earth that is something people like rush out in droves to buy. Right. People, uh, peat moss is a soil additive that you use if you're going to till a garden. You know, you, you go into a bog that 
and, and you pull them, you know, you, you mine the moss out of that bog. It really should be left in the bog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and by the way, uh, moss is highly acidic. I mean, if you study the ecology of, of bogs and mosses, it's, it's just acid. Mm-hmm. So you put this acidic moss into your garden, and then you have to till it in because, you know, it needs to be mixed in with actual soil. Right. And then once you've tilled it in, your soil is acidic, so then you've got to mix in some lime. And that just seems like a ridiculous process mm-hmm. when you could just put like an inch of compost on top and just walk away. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I don't use any peat moss in my garden. You were you were here a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Everything looks good. It does yeah. So you know, don't buy the peat. I don't want to put the peat moss business out of uh, peat moss people out of business. But uh, if you're a frugal gardener, um, you don't need it. Your time would be so much better spent uh, putting a, a compost or a manure. I use horse manure because it's free. Um, but you know, you can get you can get better and more exotic manures for sure. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're getting something really strong like a chicken manure, you put it on in the fall, it's going to break down. Over the winter, it'll be ready to rock. Right. If you have access to something like that, like a chicken manure is a great mm-hmm. manure. It's, uh, you can just tell by the smell. <laughs> you know, you can, be, you can stand and have a conversation next to a pile of horse manure. Yeah. But if you were standing next to a pile of chicken manure, oh, my God, <laughs> you'd want to get out of there. Greg knows what the nasty smells I like. I know my manures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anyway, so bare minimum, you draw a diagram, write down where everything is, write down your issues and problems, and maybe some things to do. And at least you've got that record. And then, mm-hmm. you know, if you're done, if you don't want to do this anymore, and you just, just put that somewhere, file it away, and, you know, open it up next April when you start, or March or May, whenever you have got, are getting around to doing your gardening again. Uh, better still, once you've done that first step, give some thought to where everything should go next year and write that all down, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so much better to do it now that your memory's fresh, right? A lot right. of this stuff, I'm, I'm keenly aware of everything that's happening right now because it's all in my mind. So you think of companion planting. You think of, you know, where the, you know, if you've had beds, I got a certain area in my garden, I'm really, really unhappy with the way everything worked. Mm-hmm. I'm going to amend the soil. I'm going to add some some manure to it, but I'm still not very confident about that particular soil. So I'm going to plant all my beans in that lousy soil. Yeah. Uh, because I know the beans will be fine in there, mm-hmm. um, especially with the little amendment I'm going to add to it. And then because beans don't take much away, next year that soil will be ready to be good soil. Right. Just like where I planted my uh, uh, beans, my bush beans this year, that stretch of garden last year it didn't do very well. I planted, what uh, on earth did I plant there? I planted some greens and I planted some corn. It, it just didn't come in well at all. Right. I was really happy with it. And uh, I added a, about an inch of manure and I, I planted beans there and they did great. So next year, I'm, I'm sure it'll be great. I can grow anything I want there. Mm-hmm. You think of nitrogen-fixing legumes. You think of where the potatoes should go, where the tomatoes should go. Because remember, potatoes and tomatoes, they remember that nightshade family. Yeah, They're related, so you can't... You know, any garden bed, it should only have one or the other of those two things every three years, hmm. ideally, right? If you want to minimize the chance of blight and all that sort of stuff, you try to rotate in and out of that bed. So if you had six beds, um, would sort of be ideal because that way you could have one bed devoted to potatoes and one bed devoted to tomatoes and they'd be rotating around and every three, four years you'd have, you know, 
you could move those things around. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the math of it. You, you can bend these rules. This is just yeah. an ideal situation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the way I tend to do it is, let's say I've got, just for instance, uh, six beds that are all lined up in a row. Um, so, like, let's say I got carrots in the first one and parsnips in the next one and potatoes in the next one and beans in the next one. Well, next year, everything would just go up one, right? So the carrots would go where the parsnips are and the parsnips would go where the next thing, right? And I just shift everything up one. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, just like on a, a rotating schedule sort of thing. Right, right. And that's pretty much how I do it with a few minor variations just because maybe one of the spots hasn't got enough sun or or some unique you know problem was somewhere but generally speaking the the general schedule I try to stick to is just moving everything over one every okay. year and it sort of seems to work itself out and if it turns if if that schedule is putting the potatoes where the tomatoes were last year well I don't do that I stick them somewhere else I just you know adjust it a little bit um but that's the simplest way to do it um mm-hmm. and you do that now, and then ne- next year you're going to have you're going to want to plant things that you didn't plant this year. Right. right? Like this year, I tried a new um, planting something called ground cherries, and um, I've never planted them before in my life, and they came in great. I mean, I literally put the seeds in the ground and went away on vacation for a week, and when I came back, they're up, and I didn't even remember what they were. Right. Um, I just realized they're ground cherries about. Three weeks ago, <laughs> didn't know they, you know they were all growing in a row. So I knew there was something. They weren't a weed. I think of these really neat, almost like China, uh, Japanese lantern sort of, um, uh, or Chinese lantern. Was it was it Chinese lantern or Japanese lantern? The paper lantern. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, the, there's a, a berry that grows in a little paper package like that, and they're supposed to be very good tasting. I've never eaten them. Hmm. They grew really well. And they were completely pest-free. So if they taste good, I'm going to plant a whole bed of them. I only planted like a row of them this year as like an experiment. Oh, yeah. But I'm going to plant a lot of them. If they taste good, I'm going to plant a whole bed. Mm-hmm. Um, why not? Because they're so pest-free, right? Cool. And it's an ideal. If they are pest-free, it's, it's a good thing to plant in a bed that had a pest problem. Because the pests aren't going to eat that thing, yeah, right? Yeah. They're all going to, you know, like let's say they're in the soil. Um, they're going to come out and they're going to be like, what's this stuff? Let's, let's fly out of here. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you need a second opinion on how they taste, let me know. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I just hope they ripen before the you know the, the cold comes. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I tried to eat one today and it was horrible. So oh. it was, um, you know, but you could just tell it wasn't ripe. It just had a, mm-hmm. an unripe taste. Yeah. <laughs> just didn't <laughs> seem right. It was very green on the inside. I think they're supposed to be a yellow. I don't. I doubt they're a green color. Yeah. Um, anyway, it just had that really strong, uh, you know, uh, chlorophyll green. Yeah. Sort of, um, not yeah. ready. Yeah. Just not ready. Hmm. And also, when you're thinking of all the things you want to do for next year, I mean, think of what you can do now. I mean, it's it's so much easier to do a lot of your next year garden stuff this fall. Right. There's no mosquitoes. There's no. It's nice and cool. It's not. You know, the weather's. I mean, the fall is such a favorable time of year to be outside and in your garden. Yeah. You got horse flies or anything like. You know, if you've got any project, any. You know, I want to make like I want to build uh, along the uh, 
north side of my garden, a whole bunch of terraced um, sort of like modular hothouses. Oh, yeah. It's like I discussed in the episode on um, cold frames. Yeah. Um, so these would be kind of like cold frames, but they're cold frames I can dismantle mm-hmm. and take the tops off. And so they're, they're more like the hothouses for getting vegetables started. Yeah. Once they're started, I can plant them early and they'll be nice and warm in there. And then once they're started and it's warm outside, I just take the roof off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it waters itself and I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm going to do that in the fall. Why would I do that next year? Right? Yeah, exactly. Then it'll be all ready to go. Right? Yeah. I don't have to worry about it in the spring. It's just ready to go. Ready to go. Yeah. Um, also, this time of year, like a lot of stuff's cheap at the garden centers. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to get rid of the, the <laughs> so last it's a great stuff. Time to, you should be thinking about it all now. Also, by the way, it's a great time to plant trees. Uh, mm-hmm. If you can get like, you know, trees or berry bushes or shrubs or whatever at a garden center because they're trying to get rid of everything right now, it's a great time to plant. Um, you know, when the, when the leaves start dropping off of uh, trees, um, their roots get become active. Leaves are dropping off a tree. It's basically taking all the energy out of its greenery and, and transferring it to its root system. So the tree's just itching to be taken out of that pot and put into some real soil. Mm-hmm. Um, so we often think about planting trees in the spring, but uh, fall is a great time. And there's usually a good rain in the fall too, right? October. Yeah. It's the rainy season. <laughs> so, um, yeah, if you've got ideas about planting fruit bushes or apple trees or whatever and you can find them at you know these sort of crummy looking ones at a garden center plant them and it's so much better to do that i mean you're going to be really disappointed if you plant a fruit tree in may it's not going to do anything Mm -hmm. in your garden that year it's just going to try not it's just going to try to survive Mm -hmm. right um so it's much better to like get it established in the fall and it'll go dormant in the winter and then it's going to be ready to rock um in the spring yeah. Right. You might even get a harvest out of it that spring. Whereas mm-hmm. if you plant it in the spring, you're not going to get anything that season. Mm-hmm. You're just not. Yeah. It's very unlikely unless yeah. you've got the most incredible soil in the world or right. uh, so on. So good time to plant things now. So think about what you can do now. And whatever you can do, this is a good time of year to do it. Mm. So, you know, that's that's the main thing I wanted to get across today. The fall oh. is it's not the time of year to sort of i mean we're a bit i'm a bit ahead of the game here we're just barely into september and most people if they're like me they're harvesting like crazy and they're trying to figure out what to do with all this stuff right um but in addition to that you know if you're not overwhelmed by your harvesting you know and bearing in mind that i'm going to be in my garden doing stuff almost right up until christmas yeah you know, I'm more active in the fall than I think I'm in the spring. I, right. I don't like to do any really work in there in the summer. I just, I'm just managing pests. I'm pruning and, and thinning and doing that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in 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 May and June, the flies are so bad in my garden. I can just barely keep up with what needs to be. I just run in there and I run I run out of there. It's so it's so bad. Mm-hmm. So I try to get everything done this time of year, but I've noticed over the years that it's just actually more pleasurable to be out doing that stuff in the fall. The air is fresh. Oh, yeah. Um, I love the fall. Well, it's just a good time to work. Yeah. So, I mean, fall isn't the time to – fall is really the time to start next year's garden. It's, you know, don't start – and I noticed I've watched people in my neighborhood and, um, you know, everybody starts thinking about – you know, the next year's garden, next year, everybody starts thinking in May, 
Mm-hmm. And it's you can make that whole process so much more easy on yourself if you start thinking about next year's garden this fall. Yeah. Just, you know, get an idea of what you what, you know what what you'd like to do and chip away at a few things and and you'll be so much more uh, ahead of the game uh when April April May rolls around next year. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. That's no, definitely good advice and um we got a few more episodes coming up in the coming weeks, I guess. And um, yeah, this is uh, this is a good one. I look forward to to seeing what the next ones are about. So if you were listening and you want to follow the show notes, just go to maritimegardening.com/slash zero two zero. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, uh, most major podcast networks, and uh, you can listen right on the website. If you want to share, uh, you know, share our Facebook fan page, that'd be great. Or you know, forward some of our emails along to somebody that you know. Absolutely fantastic. We are having a great time here, getting close to wrapping up season one, and uh, we thank you for listening uh, for sure. Any comments or questions, by all means, uh, post those up on Facebook or directly on our website, which is also basically a blog. And Greg, awesome. And thanks for uh, taking the time. And thank, thank you, you all. Yeah, thank you all for listening. So uh, we will be talking next week. Yep. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye bye.